Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. John Mildemore is the editor-at-large at fee.org. That's the website for the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll talk about what we learn or can learn from the Argentina's collapsing economy and the new president of Argentina. And then we'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of several books, uh, mainly murder mysteries lately. His latest is called No Problem. It is December the 4th, and on this day in 1783, future President George Washington, then commanding general of the Continental Army, summoned his military offices to Faust's Tavern in New York City to inform that he would be resigning his commission and returning to civilian life. He led the army through six long years of war against the British before the American forces finally prevailed at the Battle of Yorktown in 1781. There, Washington received the formal surrender of British General Lord Charles Cornwallis, effectively ending the Revolutionary War, although it took almost two more years to conclude a peace treaty and slightly longer for all British troops to leave New York. Although Washington often during the war privately lamented the sorry state of his uh, largely undisciplined and unhealthy troops and the ineffectiveness of most of his officer corps, he expressed, can you imagine that, having those feelings and still winning the Revolutionary War? It's just amazing. He expressed genuine gratitude and appreciation for his brotherhood of soldiers at, at, on this day in 1783. Observers of the intimate scene, Francis at Francis Tavern, including uh, Colonel Benjamin Talmadge, who wrote on an account of Washington's address in the tavern, describing Washington as suffused in tears, embracing his officers one by one after issuing his farewell, Washington left the tavern at Annapolis, Maryland, where he officially resigned his commission on December the 23rd. He then returned to his beloved estate at Mount Vernon, where he planned to live out his, li- his days as a gentleman farmer. Washington was not out of the public spotlight for long, however. In 1789, he was coaxed out of retirement and elected as the first president of the United States, a position he held until 1797. What a great patriot, what a great leader, and uh, we're so fortunate that he was on the scene at the uh, during the revolution and the founding of our country. On Friday, uh, the uh, S&P 500 had its best day of the year, uh, as uh, stocks kept their November rally rolling right into December. Stocks had their best month of the year in November. Jerome Powell said uh, rate cut talk is premature, with the Fed's aggressive rate hikes to curb inflation looking as they finally come to an end thanks to the encouraging data on prices falling. Investors are starting to look forward to when the central bankers start slashing rates again. But he sought to pour some cold water on the rate hike uh, cycle during the speech at Spelman College. Then it was too certain to speculate on the policy might uh, be easing. However, investors still think he may come around. Uh, markets are putting the odds at the Fed with cut rate cuts in March above 50% and are totally convinced it will happen by May. Interesting. 
I don't know how they uh, arrive at that conclusion, but that's so interesting. So, uh, however, it's uh, good to see that inflation is quelling quite a bit and uh, hopefully returning to that 2% target. Well, Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman to serve as justice on the U.S. Supreme Court, passed away at the age of 93. A statement from the court noted that the cause of death was advanced dementia, probably Alzheimer's, and a respiratory illness. And she passed away in Phoenix, Arizona on Friday. Appointed to the court by President Ronald Reagan in 81, she served uh, almost a quarter of a century on the bench, retiring in 2006. Her impact as the first female justice was underscored by Chief Justice John Roberts, who said, A daughter of the American Southwest, Sandra Day O'Connor blazed an historic trail as our nation's first female justice. She met that challenge with undaunted determination, indisputable ability, and engaging candor. Dead at 93, Sandra Day O'Connor. And uh, Representative George Santos has been expelled from Congress after a second attempt in two, two months. He was indicted on federal charges by the Department of Justice for campaign finance violations, fraud, and other crimes earlier this year. The section, second expulsion resu- resolution was brought by Representative Michael Guest, who chairs the House Ethics Committee. Two weeks ago, Representative Guest's committee released its final report on DeSantis, on Santos' uh, referring to the New York Republican at, to the DOG after concluding he engaged in unlawful conduct. On Thursday, members of the House of Representatives took to the floor to debate the expulsion, and while not defending DeSantis' actions, several members of Congress, including, including Mac Gates and Clay Higgins, expressed reservations about expulsion since the congressman had not been convicted of any federal charges. They argued expelling a member of Congress prior to conviction would set a dangerous precedent and fundamentally undemocratic as it rejected the will of the voters of said uh, member's district. Representative Max Miller, one of uh, DeSantis' most vocal critics, broke House decorum when he addressed the New York Republican directly on the floor, calling him a crook. Apparently he'd scammed his, uh, a couple of his relatives. Santos is only the sixth member in history to be expelled, joining Confederate soldiers John Clark, John Reed, and Henry Burnett, as well as bribery convicts uh, Michael Myers and James Trafficant. So uh, I I happen to agree with the reservations that Matt Getz and others had about this. Uh, Now everybody's free game if it could become a political football as opposed to uh, depending on uh, the rule of law and the uh, process of law that we have here in the United States, not followed by the Justice Department, but Congress should follow it for sure. In any event, uh, I'm not defending uh, Santos. He clearly is uh, doesn't belong in Congress, irrespective. The people, 700,000 people that put him there, have a right to have representation. Well, Republican Texas uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit Thursday against Pfizer for allegedly misrepresenting the effectiveness of its COVID-19 vaccine and conspiring to censor critics. I think this is just terrific, and I hope that we'll see more of this across the country. The lawsuit alleges Pfizer deceived the public by claiming its vaccine was 95% effective, as well as though uh, through suggestions it made about vaccines' duration of protection, protection against transmission, and protectiveness against variants. Pfizer then coerced social media platforms to silence prominent truth-tellers, including a former FDA commissioner, Brent Gerer, and journalist Eric Alex Berenson, engaging in a censorship campaign to suppress content that would negatively impact sales, according to the lawsuit. 
Pfizer intentionally misrepresented the efficacy of its COVID-19 vaccine and censored persons who threatened to disseminate the truth in order to facilitate fast adoption of the product and expand its commercial opportunity, the complaint alleges. In light of the multi-billion dollar bet that Pfizer made on vaccine and its need to quickly establish the product as a marketing leader, uh, Pfizer was heavily incentivized to, and in fact did, make misrepresentations intended to confuse and mislead the public in order to achieve widespread adoption of its vaccine. The complaint states that government reports show in some places a greater percentage of vaccinated were dying from COVID-19 than the unvaccinated uh, by 2021. We are pursuing justice for the people of Texas, many of whom were coerced by tyrannical vaccine mandates to take a defective product sold by lies, Paxson said in the statement. The facts are clear. Pfizer did not tell the truth about the COVID-19 vaccines. Good for you, Ken Paxton. I think this is terrific. Great to call these people out for what they did. Whereas the Biden administration weaponized the pandemic to force illegal public health decrees on public and enriched pharmaceutical companies, I will use every tool I have to protect our citizens who have been misled and harmed by Pfizer's actions, he continued. Good for him. You know, you make your own health decisions, and it's not up to the state, it's not up to the federal government, the President of the United States, or Pfizer to mandate what you do. This is uh, long needed, and I'm so happy to hear that, uh, see that Ken Paxton is taking this action. <clears throat> well, the Conference of the Parties, or COP, of the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change has been raising the hot air quotient in every city that's hosted it since 1980s. There have been more than 50, or I'm sorry, 30 of these gatherings of the tribe in 40 years. And can someone please point out even one single accomplishment of these folks? Greenhouse gas emissions are at record high levels except in the United States, and fossil fuel use is higher today than ever before. Meanwhile, it appears that distinguishing feature of this year's COP 28 meeting that began this week in Dubai will be to create the biggest carbon footprint in the history of the summit. Over 400,000 people are scheduled to travel to Dubai for the two-week-long event with over 97,000 delegates in attendance. That's a medium-sized city. This is getting bigger than the Olympics. Uh, Even environmental groups are speaking out. Chris Stark, CEO of the Climate Change Committee, says the meeting is basically now a trade fair. The BBC has quoted leaking briefing papers that show the United Arab Emirates plans to use its role as host to make oil and gas deals for the fossil fuel industry. UAE officials have uh, issued no denial and simply noted that everyone is welcome at COP28 because everyone is needed to deliver climate action. Yes, and just about everyone will be there except for President Xi of China and, of course, uh, our President Biden here in the United States. Um, and China's, of course, the biggest polluter. What a sham. The whole thing's a sham. On, on, uh, carbon dioxide is not our enemy. It's our friend. It happens to fuel photosynthesis. And uh, these people, it's simply a, a, a sham in order to promote exchange of money from wealthy nature, uh, nations to others. What a sham. Well, the 2023 college football playoff was unveiled yesterday with number one Michigan taking on number four Alabama in the Rose Bowl and on New Year's Day and followed by number two Washington facing off at number three Texas in the Sugar Bowl. All four teams won their respective conference championships over the weekend. 
course, it, this is pretty controversial, with undefeated Florida State, 13-0, who beat Louisville Saturday night to win the Atlantic Coast Conference, left out as number five. The Seminoles became the first undefeated major conference team to be excluded from the playoffs since the 2014 inception. The committee pointed to the season-ending injury to uh, the star Jordan Travis in Week 12, while Alabama defeated two-time defending champion Georgia uh, Saturday afternoon. So, uh, however, FSU is going to play Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Disappointing, though. Uh, what a great season Florida State had, and they should be in the playoffs. They're expanding the playoffs to, uh, I think, 12 teams but going forward. Now it's at four teams, and it's unfortunate that uh, uh, Florida State was left out. This segment on the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. He is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. I hope you check it out. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Mark, by the way, is located in Tel Aviv right now, so we kind of in the, the heart of everything that's going on globally. So, Mark, let's just start off with Israel and Gaza. What's going on? Okay, so the, the um, ceasefire broke down on Thursday night. It broke down because uh, Hamas did not provide a list of names of the people it was going to uh, let go the next day. Um, they're claiming that they don't have any more women or children. Israel knows they have 20 of them. And Israel basically said, well, if you don't get rid of the... We, we're not going further in discussing anything else unless you release the 20 women and children. The question is, why don't they want to release the, the, the 20 women? Primarily, there's only two children involved. And um, you can assume that the stories they would have to tell would not exactly be good stories. Let's put it that way. These mm-hmm. are all young women in their 20s. So... Just use your imagination and know where where that will take us. Let's put it that way. Well, Mark, you know, in my opinion, your imagination can't even uh, approach the reality of what's being done. I mean, it's just unbelievable the horrors that these these. No, absolutely. I mean, absolute horrors. There's absolutely no question. What we've heard from the ones who were released, and these were old women and and young children. They underwent both psychological uh, torture, and some of the, the young kids were beat up. Um, so clearly, who knows at this point, uh, a number, a fair number at this point of the hostages have now been reported to have been killed by Hamas, mm. uh, mostly men so far, although it could be a women, some women as well. Um, obviously, the day they captured all these hostages, there was widespread rape going on. So you can, like I said, you can, you can take this forward and you can understand the quotation marks why the Hamas doesn't want to let these people go. Yeah. And Israel does not want to move on to men, um, primarily because if we don't get these women back now, the fear is we would never get them back, mm-hmm. at least not in an exchange, let's put it that way, only if we manage to to rescue them. So that's where it stood to so the, the war. Oh, and then Hamas, for whatever reason, realized they hadn't given a list, and then they started firing rockets at 6.45 on Friday morning, the the, um, the ceasefire was to expire at seven, and uh, since then, uh, the war has expanded in the sense that Israel is moving into the southern part of Gaza at this point, asking people in the area was called Khan Yunus, which is one of the towns of or small cities in Gaza, to move to a different location. That is where uh, we th- we think that the Hamas. Um, uh, leaders are located on the ground there, but who knows um, if that's where they are or they're just going to move somewhere else. Uh, so that's one part of it. The second part is Hezbollah renewed its attacks on the north, firing anti-tank missiles at various settlements in the north. Israel responded with air attacks. A number of Israelis have been wounded and unkilled on the north recently. Um but um, their anti-tank missiles is almost impossible to respond. There's, there's no, it, it's line of sight, so it's not like a, it's not like a rocket that goes up and comes down, and you can give some sort of warning. 
Um, so it's very it's very dangerous. Mm. Um, and um, you know, again, the fear is, or the question is, you know, where does it go from here? All of the Israeli towns and villages along the northern border have been evacuated mm-hmm. because it's not safe. On the other hand, these people, you know, they're living in hotels. Um, Tel Aviv is full of people from a town called Kiryat Shmona, which is on the Lebanese border on the very um, eastern part of Israel um, on the Lebanese border. And everyone's living in hotels in, in Tel Aviv and different towns and villages in different places in Israel. And that includes the towns and villages along the Gaza border. If the Gaza border, you could at least see a scenario how they'll end up moving back. In the north, it's not at all clear where that goes. Yeah. And then to complicate things a little bit more, you have the Houthis in Yemen. Mm-hmm. The Houthis in Yemen have, over a period of the last few weeks, sent a uh, number of uh, missiles and uh, UAVs to attack Israel. All of those have been intercepted. They've also been attacking shipping in the Red Sea and the Arabian Sea, um, claiming anything that has any Israeli connection they will attack. Yesterday they attacked a large container ship that has absolutely no connection, a British container ship that has absolutely no connection, no ownership, not, not going to the port of anything to Israel. Uh, that ship was attacked by a ballistic missile, and as of last night, I haven't heard anything this morning, it was in danger of sinking. Mm. They also attempted to attack uh, the US, a U.S. destroyer that's located in that area. The destroyer managed to knock down all of the uh, attacking drones that were heading, there, heading its way. Um, obviously, it's a major problem in the Arabian Sea and the Dead Sea. That's basically how all the ships that transit the Suez Canal, um, that's how they, they go when they're going to Asia or to the Gulf or anywhere else. Uh, the fear beyond just Israel, which could be cut off from shipping, is worldwide. The cost of shipping is going to go up because the insurance rates are going to go up, and it's going to bring up the cost of goods everywhere in the world. Wow. Uh, so... So, Mark, is really, this, uh, in your opinion, uh, you have the Houthis, you have the Hezbollah, you have uh, Hamas. Is this all being coordinated now by, I'll, I'll say, Iran? By Iran? Okay, the Houthis definitely have been co- coordinated by Iran. Uh, Hamas, not at all clear, and at this point it doesn't make any difference. They're, you know, there's nothing they're doing at the moment that they could coordinate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamas just wants to try to survive. Hezbollah, to a lesser or greater extent. I don't think Hamas. I don't think Iran wants a, a war, um, a all-out war in terms of um, in Lebanon at the moment because the their missile system is like their in Lebanon is their doomsday weapon against Israel, um, and I'm not sure they want to lose it in a war that doesn't interest doesn't have a major strategic impact for them. Mm-hmm. Now the Houthis, I think, are playing a dangerous game because. Uh, the role of the U.S. Navy throughout history, going back, I think I mentioned this last week, going back to the early 1800s with the Barbary pirates, has been to ensure freedom of the seas. Mm-hmm. That's the major reason the U.S. has this big blue navy, navy, blue water navy, excuse me, because as one of the biggest economies in the world, freedom of the seas is very important for the American economy and all the world's economy, and everyone's interchanged. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, there is some lo- some likelihood of the United States taking action with Great Britain as well against the Houthis. The problem is Saudi Arabia tried to for since 2015 and have been unsuccessful. Yeah. So that's always a problem. Is, you know, what can you do that will be successful as opposed to just something else that that fails? 
So oh. the, the other, Joe Biden is, a, I think, attempting to say you, we should have some sort of a peace negotiation or, or uh, more aid uh, to... Uh, so, so, so Biden is, doing two, is, is saying two things. Mm-hmm. Biden is saying, A, you have to deal with the humanitarian issues of, of the people of Gaza, which I think makes, some, makes sense in the sense that you, you can't have pictures in the world of people starving to death. Right. That's a that's a bad that's a bad look. Forget whether it's moral or not. And just in terms of you know, uh, a good look. He's saying to Israel, listen, you don't want that to happen. You give them more aid, etc. He's also saying something that in order to maintain support amongst the Sunni states, which, by the way, from what I understand, all of them won't say this publicly, but all of them want Israel to eliminate Hamas. Yeah. Uh, but in order to maintain support amongst these states, Israel has to sort of say, well, what's going to be the day after? So uh, Biden is sticking to the plan that America has always had, which is a two-state solution. Mm-hmm. The reason he's talking about that is no one has come up with an alternative. Not that, it, you know, it's like there are very few people in Israel who believe that right now is a time we can come to a peace agreement and bring about a two-state solution. The emotions right. are too raw. Uh, no one trusts uh, anyone to maintain any agreements right now. So that's unlikely at the moment. But on the other hand, in order to... For worldwide diplomacy, he's saying you need to have some sort of plan that says, what well, what are you aiming for? What's the goal? Uh-huh. And Netanyahu's government is impossible, can't do it, because he's depending on some far-right ministers who don't believe, you know, believe in annexing all of the uh, Palestinian territories. And although if you ask them what is, what's going to be with the people, they'd never have a good answer. So yeah. that's a problem. I'll tell you, this so, is a powder keg for, for sure. It could... Uh when you speak, but think about all the players that are involved in all this, this could lead to some sort of a major conflict around the world. No, quite clearly. But, um, you know, again, uh, in some ways, it's less dangerous than Ukraine because you don't have a superpower involved. In other words, you don't have the Russians are not directly involved, the Chinese are not directly involved. So, you know, you don't have, you don't have that risk. Uh-huh. Uh, going forward, no one, no one at the moment with nuclear weapons. Although it's not at all clear that Iran won't have nuclear re- weapons soon. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, no, it's it's a real problem, and the, and the bigger problem of it all is there's no easy solution. Mark, I, I want I have so many other things that I want to speak to you about. I, we need to take a break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show, on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-269. 
239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability to help prepare elected officials to have a winning strategy in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with John Miltimore, the editor-at-large at fee.org. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, I understand there's some uh, breaking news in France. Well, in France, we had a we had an attack against a tourist and another Frenchman. One was killed by a knife attack, um, and that was done by someone who pledged his his loyalty to ISIS, um, which gets into this overall problem of uh, a Muslim population that has grown, uh, France has long-term, but other places in Europe, and um, bringing with it some, some violence, to say the least. Um, you know, the, the Israeli National Security Council just issued a warning, basically, that it's dangerous to go to almost any place in the world except the United States and Canada. And they recommend strongly that no one go to anywhere but the United States and Canada because it's too dangerous right now to be anywhere in the world. Well, I would suggest because of our problems with uh, immigration here in the United States that there are probably some sleeper cells around here. In the, I'm not so sure it's so safe here. Well, you know, I don't think... Look, it's not so much cells. I think you need to understand that we're not talking about sleeper cells. It's, 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 not, it's not groups in, in that sense. It's people who who come as refugees to all over Europe. I just got an, e- an email from someone from Australia who has a reasonably Muslim population also came, as he said, we took in people when they were in need, and now they've brought with them anti-Semitism and violence. Yeah. Uh, and so you have these people all over the world, and also in the United States, and not only people who came in illegally, people who came legally, legal immigrants. It's not most of the people, most of the um, Arab Americans, or most of them are, wonderfully law-abiding and not anti-Semitic, but there's a percentage, right. uh, came to the United States legally. Right. It's not people It's not people who snuck in the border. It's people who legally came as, you know, either got asylum based on the old system of, you know, Somali refugees, as some congresswoman who we know, or um, or just generally under the, the system where the United States has legal immigration. Yeah. Um, and they have maintain this ideology, which is problematic. And, you know, it's not... Again, it's, it's a small percentage, but the problem is small percentages end up being a lot of people. That's exactly right. Well, not only that, but uh, a very small percentage can do a lot of damage. So that's... Uh, 
a, a cradle right, of threat to society, to our uh, well-being. There's no, there's, again, there's no good solution. It's one of these, again, we're, we're, we're pressed with all of these problems in the world with no, no good solutions, which is, you know, <laughs> I hate to say, it's like, you know, well, wonderful. I have a magic wand, but the magic wand doesn't work to take care of solving all the problems. Right. We need policies. And, and I have not heard a good policy anyone's put put forth. Republican, Democrat, I don't care. Anyone, no, no really good policies have been put forth that would actually work on any of these issues. That's the problem. So, Mark, let's let's turn to China. Some. So, China, two interesting things have developed. Number one, there's expecting to be a the bankruptcy of their big Evernote um, real estate firm, and they were given by a court in Hong Kong an extra almost two months until the 29th of January to present the plan for reorganization. So that's put off the inevitable. Maybe it's not inevitable. Maybe the, between them, the Chinese government will come in and uh, rescue them, which would stop a cascading uh, cascade in the, in, the, in the Chinese economy, which I'm sure the Chinese government does not want to happen. The other thing, which is has large implications, but it's not a major thing, but a, a Chinese court ruled uh, yesterday, I think it was, that AI-generated artwork can be copyrighted, huh. and which is not the case. The American, the copyright, the U.S. Copyright Office said it can't be copyrighted. Right. So you'll have an interesting situation now of of AI-generated items from China, which is copyrightable, and items from the United States, which is not, and it's going to present another level of uh, of conflict, shall we call it that, but also uh, confusion in the world as to what you can and cannot do with AI. As that is so, so interesting. How about uh, any, any comments at all about the pneumonia outbreak in children? And uh, Yes, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting uh, outbreak. It's not at all clear. I know the Taiwanese government has recommended people not travel to China right now. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Look, the problem we have is we really can't trust the Chinese to be upfront, right? Mm-hmm. In other words... We still don't know where COVID originally came from, but we do know that we never we were never told the truth from the Chinese. So that that's really a problem, you know. And, and the the decrease in the fact that people can't rely on each other in, in terms of something like this, which is scientific, which is worldwide, which affects everybody, it will hurt the whole world. Right. And so so that's just bad. There's, there's no, no question about it. You know. We thought we were at a stage with China that we could, before COVID, obviously, that at least on things of science, pure science, um, we could exchange information and trust each other's information. But COVID brought us a whole other degree to it, and it's destroyed that, that trust that existed. So do you have concerns, as I do, that uh, this could lead to another worldwide pandemic? I don't know. I mean... You know, it's funny. We've been living in this crazy world, right? We had COVID for, for you know, two years, let's just say. I mean, it was a little bit more, a little bit less, depending where you lived, depending on what's going on. Of course, now I'm living in a country that's a war. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know anymore. It's, there's, there's a little bit too much of these major events that no one expected to take place. So I'd rather put this out of my mind, to be honest with you. I can't worry about another pandemic because... Yeah. I just can't deal with another pandemic, to be quite honest yeah. with you. The pandemic is what my concern is, is how it gets weaponized uh, and uh, how it's used politically. That's That's been the problem here in the United States, anyhow. Well, to some extent, but the actual pandemic killed a lot of people. Yeah. I and mean, there's no way around it. A lot of people died, whether 
you know, whether the policies were good, bad, or indifferent, an awful lot of people died from COVID that didn't wouldn't have died anyway. In other words, look, the life expectancy of the United States because of COVID went down almost two full years. Mm-hmm. So well, it started to recover this past year. It's still below what it was before COVID. Well, so that's statistic, uh, yeah, right? you can it attribute that. It doesn't, to... affect, it doesn't affect your particular life, you know, how long you're going to live. But on a statistical basis, the length that Americans live was negatively impacted by, by COVID. Or, or perhaps so, the vaccine. Oh, come on. Stop with the nonsense. <laughs> it's not pure, nonsense. That's just pure conspiracy nonsense. Listen, sure. Ken Paxton just brought a lawsuit in Texas against Pfizer for the, for this very reason. It's a big lawsuit. It doesn't mean if Trump brought a bunch of lawsuits that went nowhere on, on elections. Lawsuits don't mean anything. That's what's, if, you, if you tell me that, that, that the lawsuit finds in favor of, this, uh, of him and finds that the Pfizer did whatever he's claiming he did, then then something to talk about. But bringing a lawsuit has very little meaning. Okay, uh, Winning a lawsuit, that's something else altogether. Okay, fair enough, Mark. So we'll talk about it when it happens. Mark Schulman, okay. again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. It's great for kids of all ages, including you and I, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank Have you so much. Have a great week, everybody. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, going to be visiting with John Miltimore. John is the uh, editor-at-large for fee.org. Going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. And a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTigg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us John Miltimore. John is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, great being with you, Bob. Thank you, John. Tell us about Fee.org. Yeah, Fee was uh, founded in 1946. Our message is to teach the next generation uh, the importance of economics and individualism and, and the ingredients necessary to creating a free and prosperous society. Great organization, fee.org. Again, I hope you'll check it out. Terrific, robust website, fee.org. So, John, you wrote a piece which is so interesting, What Americans Can Learn from Argentina's Collapsing Economy and Javier Malay's, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that, Camille's uh, Stunning Victory. Uh, maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, Javier Malay. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing most of your list that name already, yeah. unless they've been uh, living under a rock for the last month or so. Uh, Malay was recently elected, you know, president of Argentina, making him the first libertarian president of any, mo- you know, modern country in history. Um, and I think it's important for Americans to understand, you know, what's going on in Argentina and, and what was really the, the catalyst there that drove Malay into the presidency. Um, Argentina's been struggling for a long time under inflation, but it's really reached, you know, dangerous, very dangerous proportions here in the last few years. Um, 40% of Argentines are now living in poverty. And I almost feel like I need to say that again, 40% Mm -hmm. of Argentines are now living in poverty. Um, This is quite a turn, you know, at the turn of the century last year, if you go back, you know, a hundred years, Argentina was one of the most prosperous countries in the world. Right. Um, its per capita GPD, GDP was um, the same as, you know, say, Germany and France, um, Canada, these other countries. Um, but for about the last 70, 75 years or so, you know, they've been offering some, you know, really bad people. You know, Peronism has really dominated the economic landscape, the, the political landscape in Argentina. Peronism is really a blend of national socialism and fascism. And, you know, they've, they've really, for the last several decades now, just been having out-of-control government spending, which they've really been painting over and uh, with, well, well, funding with the central bank. Um, they've been printing money at a rate that has been uh, causing inflation. In recent years, that inflation uh, really exploded. Um, just to give you an example of how much you know, they expanded the money supply these last few years, um, in, in about 2020, there's a total of about two and a half trillion pesos in circulation. Today, there's more than 20 trillion. Wow. So what they did is they, they expanded the money supply more than right about tenfold in the last few years alone, um, and it caused exactly what you do expect: uh, massive inflation, which is about 150 percent right now in Argentina. Unbelievable. I, I love his political approach to this, carrying around a chainsaw, <laughs> saying he's going to cut go- government expenses. But uh, his plan is to close, and I could just imagine closing the Department of Education, closing culture centers, and uh, the uh, Secretary of Culture, whatever it might be in Argentina, exactly the same remedy that we need here in the United States, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? 
I, I totally agree, and, and I think you know he's he's talked he's talking about real change, which is why Malay is so refreshing. He's not talking about tweaking the system. He's talking about overhauling the system, right. and like you say, that that does involve closing a lot of these useless departments. I say useless, but some of them are actually worse than useless. They're quite pernicious. Right. Um, but I think the real test will be, and he's talked about this. Can he close? Can he abolish Argentina's? central bank because that is is really what facilitated all this all of this none of this could have happened if 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 argentina could have simply been printing pesos to fund all these operations so malay's pushing you know for for a massive campaign to to dollarize its economy now we know the dollar has some of its own problems too but it's nothing like argentina's um it won't fix their problems overnight but it will prevent them from simply Printing pesos to paint over all these, you know, very real and uh, dangerous economic problems that that are plaguing the country, um, and I think that will be Malay's real test. I think you know he's already closed some departments, and um, you know he's he's had some clout, some clout to do some things already. But can he shut down their central bank? That'll be his real test. If he doesn't, I think Argentina will continue to struggle. Wow. So, uh, in in your opinion, I think he needs a coalition, if I'm not mistaken, to to main to uh, support his government. And uh, will he be able to pull together uh, factions of of uh, political parties in order to pull off his his agenda? I think that's really the million dollar question, Bob, because Malay's not a dictator, right? He he can't come in and just do what he wants. Right. He does need to build a coalition. Um, how much he can do that remains to be seen. Um, I think that he does have an opportunity, though, because the, you know the problems over there are severe. Um, he was elected with an overwhelming, you know, percentage of the vote. Um, the people want change. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be able to do everything in his first year, but I think he can get a lot done in his first year. He strikes me as someone who's not just an ideologue. Like, he's an Austrian economist. I love his political philosophy. I love his economics. But he seems like a very practical person yeah. who's going to be willing to work with others and might have, might have actually, you know, really good skill at reaching across the political aisle and building coalitions to get things done in Argentina that need to be done. I really hope so. I'm pulling for him, and I, you know, I know the deep state runs very deep here, and it's, uh, it's going to be very difficult for our next president to be able to uh, kind of clean out, clean house, and get things back on track, which is what I think we really need. I really hope he pulls this off. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the, the one takeaway I'd leave listeners with is they really need to understand inflation is a policy. It's not something caused by corporate greed. Um, it's not something called by you know, hot labor markets. We hear all these things. Inflation is caused by governments printing money. Yeah. That's, that's above all anything else. We, we saw what happens when you do that over time in Argentina. Um, it needs to be a lesson for Americans so we don't have the same problems here uh, in a decade or two. Oh, got them right now. <laughs> we do, but not to the scale of Argentina yet. I guess. It's, 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 I hope we never get there. Uh, I agree, John. John Miltebor again, uh, editor at large at feed.org. I hope you check out the website. Uh, great for kids of all ages, especially for high school and college kids. Feed.org. F-E-E.org. John, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on, Bob. You have a splendid week. You as well. Thank you, John. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many books, his latest, 
is No Problem is the name of the book. No Problem. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And I hope you'll check out the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Get some tickets to upcoming performances. They're really terrific. Again, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Jim McTagg. Jim is former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He now has been writing murder mysteries since he retired, and they are terrific. His first is Father the Leader. Its sequel is Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel and his latest is No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. You know, when you write a mystery, there's always a solution. But when you look at all the problems in the world, it's like, man, this is never going to end. But anyway, um, tonight is the uh, congressional the White House Congressional Ball, and I'm wondering what the the attendees will be discussing besides Biden's impeachment, uh, besides Ukraine, the Israel and Palestine, China, Taiwan. What else would they be discussing? And, and this week we had the arrest of Manuel Rocha of Florida, a former ambassador to Bolivia for spying for Cuba and and Cuba it was it has been completely off my radar sure Um, I didn't even realize until I started doing research yesterday 
that Raul Castro is no longer in charge. He handled over the uh, reins to to um, old Diaz Canal in 2021, and 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 Diaz Canal today is in Tehran uh, meeting with uh, Raisi, the president of Iran. So I forgot, you know, Cuba is part of the uh, proverbial axis of evil. Sure. Uh, they're, they're close to Russia. They're close to Iran. You know, Russia, 66,000 Russian tourists so far this year to Cuba. And China is building a listening station in Cuba so that not only can it spy on uh, military operations in Florida, uh, but its cyber people can hack our you know, sites, and, and in the event of war, that would be a center for uh, trying to disrupt our Internet. So uh, it's wonderful to be reminded of Cuba again, and it's also uh, wonderful to be reminded that China and Russia and Iran are courting all the countries in South America of course, to become allies of this axis of evil. I really appreciate your bringing this up. I haven't thought about Cuba in a long time, but you're right. I, I, I hadn't even thought about the fact they'd been a, uh, handing over the reins away from the uh, Castro family uh, to a new leadership in, in uh, Cuba. And now that you say that the leader is now in Tehran, that's, that's not a good sign. Now, and the other thing is American policy towards South America is pretty dumb. I mean, uh, I, I'm concerned about illegal immigration at the border. Sure. Um, and I'm concerned about fentanyl. Uh, but when you start to agitate and say, let's bomb Mexico, <laughs> you're driving countries like that right into the arms of the Chinese and the Iranians and the Russians. So... Uh, we have to have a, a more intelligent uh, approach as a country to South America, our immediate neighbors. And the fact is we're losing influence in this hemisphere, and that, that's more frightening than all the refugees at our border. I must say, I think we're losing influence around the world, and South America is extremely important. Of course, we've got the Monroe Doctrine, which was supposed to uh, uh, let the world know that, hey, just don't mess with South or North America, because this is, this is uh, we're going to protect uh, our area. And uh, now, I don't think, uh, after Afghanistan, Afghanistan especially, and just the demonstration of such poor policy and execution, uh, I think we've lost a lot of respect around the world. Well, yeah, and, and in fairness to Republicans and Democrats alike, uh, both parties' presidents have really been uh, poor in their uh, diplomacy towards South America. I mean, I mean we, they are our immediate neighbors, and we should be more aggressive just from the standpoint of uh, our security in uh, courting their friendship. And, and we haven't done that. We... Uh, you know, as a nation, we ignore South America, except for the illegal immigrants. I mean, yeah. you go through uh, American newspapers, and I think the Miami Herald is probably a rare exception. You look for for news from South America, you cannot find it. That is such uh, an interesting observation. So what do you think of the election of Malay in, uh, in Argentina? Well, that's a hopeful sign. Yeah. It's a... 
it's a victory for capitalism, which is under attack in our own country. I read an alarming poll that 50% of uh, Americans between the ages of 18 and 25 favor socialism. I mean, (laughs) that is scary because us older folks know how damaging socialism can be to the economy. And as a demonstration of that, Bidenomics, um, which, by by the way, Janet Yellen, who who has fallen off the, the news pages, she gave a speech in North Carolina last week, and she said that uh, uh, Bidenomics is a new form of supply-side economics, which is so funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> She's dumb as a box of rocks, i got to tell you. <laughs> totally yeah, out of touch. Supply-side economics, you cut red tape, you cut taxes, you have free trade. Well, Bidenomics is the opposite. Exactly. Uh, we don't have free trade. They're, they're central. Washington is dictating uh, what the economy should be, and there's and with Washington comes red tape uh, galore. So, so they're using euphemisms to try to to fool the American public. So uh, it, it is laughable. Uh, the defense of Bidenomics comes to uh, you know lying about uh, what it is. Well, of course, Biden's latest solution for uh, inflation is he's telling uh, the grocery companies and uh, different companies to, to not be so greedy and to cut prices. <laughs> well, he's, you know, you know what, and he's taking advantage of something that's happening naturally in the market because I talk to food brokers and food prices are coming down because especially for high-item goods, like, like the most expensive cheeses are going to be on deep discount during Christmas because uh, people stop buying luxury goods, including luxury foods. So, so the retailers have a four-month supply, and they have to get rid of it over Christmas. So this Christmas will be wonderful for consumers. Uh, food prices will come down. I already see deep discounting in the department stores because consumers – have have become more careful with their their purchases of goods. I mean, they're still spending a lot on restaurants and experience, but they become tightwads when they go shopping for for physical commodities. And and I, I think this Christmas season, why it may not be a a huge blowout for retailers, will be a success. And I think consumers will be happy. And and gasoline prices are down. Uh, defying uh, our expectations True, you know, because the Saudis that. have stopped producing it. Yeah. Thank you. Jim, I, this commentary has been so interesting. I hadn't thought about Cuba in such a long time, and it's an important topic for us here in this hemisphere. I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. And again, uh, uh, take a look at his latest book, Jim McTague's uh, book, No Problem. Uh, uh, it's a great murder mystery located in Washington, D.C. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I'll really appreciate your listening to the show. And uh, if you enjoyed it, I hope you pass the word on to your friends. It's one of the ways we uh, reward our advertisers uh, by introducing them to new people. Uh, and we can't do the show without our advertisers. So I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>